In the words of Abdullah Ocalan, man is a system. The male has become a state and turned this into the dominant culture. Class and sexual oppression develop together. Masculinity has generated ruling gender, ruling class, and ruling state. When man is analyzed in this context, it is clear that masculinity must be killed. I'm Michael Cisternino, and I killed masculinity by becoming trans and using the they-them pronouns. Max emasculated himself and killed his own masculinity by leaving the show. How have you killed masculinity? <laughs> um, that's a that's a good question. Um, I think I've I've definitely killed masculinity by refusing to eat thirteen servings of uh, noodle soup at a time. I can only I can only ever finish half of the bowl of noodle soup. It's it's quite a uh, quite an act of mine. Well, do you know who's also busy killing the fascist hate? Patriarchy back in 2016 and 2017? Let me guess. It's Oshawn, isn't it? Piss Pig Granddad! Oh, Piss Pig Granddad is back! Oh. He's back, baby! <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> right, what is up with Piss Pig Granddad? So, uh, after the Battle of Kobani, uh, the YPG and their allies had set about consolidating their presence in Syria's northeast. And during the summer with, of 2015, with U.S. backing, they launched the Tel Abiyad Offensive, which connected two of their three original areas of control in Syria, Jazeera and Kobani. Uh, right, so, and uh, refresh on what the YPG is again. Uh, the YPG is the military wing of the Democratic Union Party, which is sort of the Kurdistan Workers' Party, but in Syria. Okay. So right now, they're in Syria. They're vibing. Let's yeah. Uh, so that was a mouthful, but by 2016... Uh, the YPG and their allies had become the Syrian Democratic Forces and had U.S. backing. They had taken swaths of territory from ISIS and kind of turned the tide of the war. So now, in early November 2016, uh, the SDF announced the beginning of a campaign to capture ISIS's capital, Ar-Rakal. What's this group? The SDF, you said? Syrian Democratic Forces. Uh, right, and those are, those are YPG, I'm assuming? Uh, those are the YPG and their other allies, so you also have a number of Arab tribal militias, as well as groups like uh, the Queer Liberation Army, uh, which we talked about back in episode three. Uh, yeah, yeah. So under the YPG, you have, like, the SDF and, like, the Queer Liberation yeah, Party and so all these. Under sort of... the SDF, you have the YPG and oh, okay. the YPG, which are really, like, the ones running it, and then a bunch of other affiliated militias. YPG and YPJ under the SDF. That's a mouthful. Why is that a? Why is it in that order? What's what's happening there? Uh, well, really, like they they just got together with uh, their allies and like declared uh, the beginning of the Democratic Federation of North Syria. And like, you can't you can't have the military of your new polity be this one party's militia. So it just got lumped in with all the others, but in reality, like, the YPJ and YPJ are in control, basically. Right, got it. So, right. they, so they announced the beginning of a campaign to capture ISIS's capital just two days after a certain Brace Belden had finished his training and been, been assigned to a heavy weapons unit. So, Brace Belden is pissed big granddad. Uh, so... Uh, yes. Sounds like someone who would be in charge of a heavy weapons unit. He wasn't in charge, but uh, 
When the offensive began, he posted a selfie of himself inside an armored vehicle captured, Wow, this freaking taxi stinks. <laughs> uh, oh, so, man. So I'm going to quote from the Rolling Stone magazine now. Uh, the first phrase of the Raqqa offensive was a mission to take Tal Saman, a satellite village of 10,000 people, 17 miles north of Raqqa proper. Uh, right, and these are, this is the adjacent, I'm assuming, to the Syrian capital, because they, they want to take, sorry, not the Syrian. Not, not the Syrian capital. <laughs> the ISIS, ISIS capital, right. Uh, so, in Belden's words, uh, we pushed up to Tal Saman till we had it surrounded on a half circle. Then we bombarded the shit out of it. Uh, solid, solid military strategy. I mean, so refugees, refugees came pouring out of the village, uh, seeking protection behind Kurdish lines. Uh, hundreds of civilians coming across for days in a row, Belden says. Uh, at night, his unit stayed in whatever building they'd just taken, camped out on rooftops in the excruciating cold. The first week we were out here, it was awful, Belden says. The stepmother of a fellow volunteer from the U.S. had gotten Belden's number. She kept texting to make sure they were eating enough. So the YPG and J are blitzkrieging the ISIS capital? Yes, and Brace Belden's U.S. volunteer's friend's mom is texting Belden to make sure her kid is eating enough. That's pretty wholesome. Uh, yeah, and now I do have some of Brace Belden's texts, and I don't know if this these are with his friend's mom, but... I'd like to think they are, because that would be funny. All right, so some unknown texts. These are these are from Pispid Granddad to someone who I'd like to assume is his friend's mom. So this is Pispid Granddad is is texting who? We don't know, but I would like to assume that these are to his friend's mom. Right. So he's saying, yeah. I mean. What's the worst that can happen? I'm on the road to Raqqa in a homemade tank constructed from concrete and thick sheet metal. Like, what are they going to do? Send to me Syria? Yeah. Oh, man. It's all very surreal. Man, he's, he's so casual about it, too. He's like, you know, we're just, we're just bombarding the ISIS capital. You know, we're just, we're just taking down, like, the, the main yeah. uh, you know, uh, threat in the, the Middle East for the past like, 20 years. <laughs> no big deal. I'm in a concrete tank. Just don't worry about it. Yeah, well, now... I feel like after this text is gonna, is gonna be like, hey, so, uh, I don't know, I wanna go out later, I know I know a great place that we didn't hit with the with the rockets and bombs, <laughs> gonna, like, ask someone out, trying to flex, and then, you know, pull a fast one. Well, I mean, the truth, the truth is darker and funnier. Now, oh, God. It is here, taking through the booby-trapped ruins of Tal Saman, stripping gear from ISIS corpses, that piss pig granddad accidentally became a war criminal. Accident? Oh, wait, yeah. How do you accidentally become a war criminal? He peed on a dead guy. Ooh, that's a war crime. Wait, what? <laughs> yeah, defiling, defiling an enemy body. <laughs> oh wow! Oops, oops. And <laughs> hey, listen, man, I thought it was just a pile of of dirt. I didn't know there was a skull in there. Yikers. Uh... Uh, so despite it all, Brace made sure to keep the internet up to date with his bizarre dispatches from the front. Uh, so now, here is one of those dispatches, as it were. Uh, I would I would like you to describe it for the listeners. Okay, so um, we have some texts coming in here. These Tell are, Twitter. Yes? These are uh, to the editor of a popular leftist mag magazine, Jacobin. Okay. 
So someone is telling Jacobin here, Tell Twitter that I am not only alive, but we're taking villages like crazed hounds. I'm at the very tip of the Raqqa offensive, and I am like 100% gonna die. And this fucking guy keeps motarting us, but he's a dipshit and keeps missing. I'm pretty sure uh, there was meant to spell mortaring, but it's a yes. <laughs> Just receiving this text from at Pispay Grandad as the uh, Twitter, I'm assuming, uh, recipient responds publicly on the front lines with the YPJ in Syria. Yes, this is real. <laughs> so he's uh, he's got a pretty good uh, rapport with the media, it seems. Yeah! <laughs> I'm 100% gonna die. They're like, what are they? They keep trying to murder me, but they... <laughs> so... This is, this is so great, because it's like, what if there was, like, war, but with social media? And you just... We get, we get like, the generals being... I'm assuming that this guy's, um... This is said earlier. back in episode three with Bertram Lee making memes for the revolution. Yeah, yeah. So uh, this is how you get good rapport with the media, folks. When you're when you're in a in a war, I'm 100 percent gonna die. I'm like 100 percent gonna die. So by November 20th, Talsaman was secure, and Belden had been pulled back to await the next stage of the offensive, and of course, continue shit posting on Twitter. So uh, he posted a video in which he says. Uh, a machine gun is like a woman. I don't understand it. I'm afraid of it. And one day, I'll accidentally be killed by one. Uh, he would also go on the Chapo Trap House podcast in February, where he spent an hour making masturbation jokes and talking about the war against ISIS like it was a video game. <laughs> this is a piss pig granddad, right? Yes, this is piss pig granddad. Oh, man. What a, what a chad. <laughs> he just doesn't care. <laughs> oh, man. He, this so, is like he he thinks like Call of Duty is real life or something. I don't I don't understand. <laughs> so in preparation for the Battle of Rakah, uh, he was sent to advanced training. Uh, he'd spend hours every day running along walls with his pack and his gun. Uh, practiced hitting the deck in case of bombs. He even heard a rumor that he'd have to put on a helmet and get shot in the head so he know so he'd know what it felt like. Mm -hmm. uh, however. Belden's girlfriend threatened to burn all his belongings and destroy his life if he wasn't home by late March. So, when the final battle for Isis's capital at last began in June, Piss Pig Granddad was not there. Aww. Yeah, it saddens me too. At least the Antifa International Tabor was there, though. <laughs> uh, Moment of silence for Piss Pig Granddad. Yeah. It's, it's what he would have wanted. It's what he would have wanted. So, yes, uh, but despite all this, uh, the Raka's tale would be a tragic one. So, so I keep hearing, hearing the word uh, Raka. What's that again? It is Isis's capital. Right, right. Uh, so, by 2017, the U.S. had kind of thrown its weight behind the Syrian Democratic Forces, and it had become basically impossible for ISIS to confront them in the open field because of, you know, airstrikes. So instead, they just mined everything and left behind a few snipers and suicide bombers to try and gum up the SDF war machine. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, so ISIS was kind of pulling back to its capital, which... By then, it had had four years to make into a giant death trap. Uh, so you had a similar thing going on with ISIS's other major stronghold, Mosul in Iraq, uh, but Mosul had been taken with fleets of American tanks and armored personnel carriers. 
And the U.S. didn't want the SDF to be an independent force that could operate without their support. Uh, and also, Turkey was putting diplomatic pressure on them. So they only gave, so they were only giving the SDF small arms and the like. No heavy. The SDF had no heavy weapons like the Iraqi army had. Uh, All right, so, the SDF. Who are the SDF? Sorry, you're talking about the SDF, right? The yes, Syrian people who are over. Who are over the YPJ and YPG? Yes, uh, the the Oppoists who uh, are fighting ISIS. Right. So we're talking about we were talking about the YP the YPG taking Raqqa. YPG YPG affiliated militias. Yeah. Right. So they're, they're all they're all ganging up on the ISIS capital right now. And yeah. where are we going now? So they have like five thousand people laying siege to Raqqa, and they have between them like fifteen Humvees. Oh, so they, they have, like, they got nothing. They got, like, yeah. so, a few stones throughout them. Yeah, so there weren't actually all that many ISIS fighters in Raqqa, but it te- doesn't take all that many snipers, suicide bombers, sprinkled in among an estimated 20,000 civilians who would remain trapped in the city to turn urban warfare into a complete nightmare hellscape bloodbath. Uh, and that's without factoring ISIS's weaponized quadcopters. Uh, weaponized so, quadcopters. Do yep, they have like drones? Yep. Oh, drones, which they would use to sight for things like artillery fire and also just drop bombs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there would be no, there would be no storming of Raqqa. Uh, instead, the U.S. and its allies dropped an estimated twenty thousand munitions on the city as the SDF made a slow advance while clearing the seemingly endless mines and booby traps left behind by ISIS. Now, you may have noticed something. I Hmm. just mentioned that the U.S. had dropped an estimated 20,000 pounds of munition on a city which I had earlier stated had an estimated 20,000 civilians trapped in it. Wait a second, yeah. Yep. Is, hmm, continuity error much? Hmm. The U.S. was doing what it did best, raining fire from the sky on civilians who just happened to be caught up in the middle of things. <laughs> well, that sucks. Yeah, uh, according to the watchdog group Air Wars, bombing by the U.S. and its allies killed more than 1,300 civilians, including at least 250 children and injured thousands. Right, so civilians are in the rocket capital. They need to move out, and while they're moving out, the U.S. is bombing. Well, it's not like they could move out. ISIS used civilians as human shields by putting them on the roofs of buildings they occupied. Civilians trying to flee would often be targeted by ISIS snipers, and a shit ton of them would wind up stepping on mines trying to reach SDF lines. Mm -hmm. So ISIS was... Yeah, they're using those... It sounds like it it didn't work too much, because the U.S. just didn't care. Yeah. Uh, I think it worse. Yeah, in August, the UN High Commissioner for Human Rights, uh, Zaid Rad Al Hussein, declared that civilians were paying an unacceptable price. Uh, the US and its allies went on to escalate, escalate bombing, uh, uh, which, according to the watchdog group Air Wars, uh, killed more than 1,300 civilians, including at least 250 children and injured thousands. So that person you mentioned was a politician, right? Uh, Zaid Rad Al Hussein, uh, they're the UN High Commissioner for Human Rights. Right. So this guy was like, "Hey, can we uh, can we stop? You know, like 
murdering like thousands of civilians. And this is like, ah, you know, you know the thing about that is that no, and then they just kept doing it. Yeah, fuck okay. me, but fuck ISIS more. Oh man, that sucks. So the siege of Raqqa would last months, but the eventual SDF victory was never really in doubt. Mm-hmm. So what? So once Raqqa fell, it was game over for ISIS. It would be until 2019 when their last territorial holding in the village of Baguz was captured. But after Raqqa, that was less of an if and more of a when. So in the end, the caliphate died not with a bang, but with a whimper. Well, and, so all, all of ISIS land to this day is just is gone. They don't own any... ISIS does not control any land. They... Mm-hmm. However, an estimated, like, 2,000 or so ISIS guys are still at large doing guerrilla things. Uh, yeah. But, yeah, uh, the, the followers of Abdullah Ocalan had destroyed ISIS, effectively. Nice job, guys. We did it. Yeah. ISIS is gone. Yeah. Uh, so... Next episode, we'll discuss what came after it, but, like, right now, I feel like it would be a good time to just take a time to reflect on, like, how far, how far we've come since episode one. We started out with just Stalinist Borat, who became anarchist Borat, who, whose followers would eventually go on to, like, beat ISIS. Yeah. Oh man, that that reading in the uh, in the jail cell really uh, really made him beefed his game up. Yeah, that is a a pretty good summary of how to beat ISIS one hundred and one. Step Sounds one. like all you got to do is uh, step yeah, one. step one. Embrace embrace uh, anarchist, feminist, democratic, confederalist ideology. Step two. Mm-hmm. Have there be no one else for the U.S. to back? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. It has to be exactly, exactly what that is. If it's if it's just anarchist or communist, it's, it doesn't work. It's got to be exactly, you know, right on the nose. Yeah. Oh yeah. man. Next episode, we'll talk about what came after ISIS in northeast Syria. Mm. Because spoiler alert: the Syrian civil war is still ongoing. <laughs> Uh Uh-oh.